Hi, this is Lindsay Wagner. You are listening to TV Confidential. Hooray for Hollywood. That phony super coney Hollywood. They come from Chillicothe and Paducah's with their bazookas to get their names up in lights. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television. We will open up the program by welcoming back our friend Jeffrey Mark. Jeffrey Mark, Emmy Award winning, Grammy Award nominated writer, producer, performer, author, music and TV historian, and showbiz raconteur. Jeffrey Mark, also the author of comprehensive biography of Ella it's Gerald, which is available in paperback and uh, soft cover and as an ebook. Also, the Lucy book, a book about all things Lucille Ball, which, if all goes well, will be reissued and updated with even more information about Lucy. It's always happy to have you on, Jeff, even though the occasion is a little bit sad because we lost two icons, but and two icons who you directly knew. Well, I did, and first of all, Jeffrey Mark sounds awesome. I can't wait to hear. <laughs> he is awesome, and you're absolutely right. Uh, it, it's difficult when when these people who are of our cultural icons are also either personal friends or, if we're using the the term, you know, one away, with one, one, one degree of separation. Mm-hmm. Tim was a friend. Harvey Corman was a very close friend. I'm, as you know, very close friends with his son, Christopher Corman, mm-hmm. who helps you produce your show. And Doris, good heavens, between Kay Ballard and uh, Rose Marie and Peter Marshall, she was one away from me being a good friend. With Doris's case, uh, I, I got to do something really cool, if we can go right into it, many years ago, because Doris lived to be 97. Mm-hmm. And I will repeat something Lucy Arnaz taught me about losing people who are elderly, really elderly. It's one thing, heaven for thin, we lose someone who's 18 or 35 or in the prime of their life. That's very sad. When someone gets to be close to 100, rather than being sad that they're gone, let's celebrate their life. She had a good long run, as they say in show business. And what I admire about Doris is that well, she did not always make the best possible decisions in her personal life. Once she realized that she was making bad decisions, mm-hmm. she did what she had to do to make things better for herself. And I admire that in any person. So all of you out there who are listening, which is in the millions because this is that show, <laughs> uh, I admire people because everybody makes mistakes, all of us. But the people who look at it and go, wow, I made a mistake. I need to fix that. Doris fixed it and uh, did it with a determination that I really, really admire. The story I was going to get to was many years ago for her 80th birthday. Uh, Doris lived, oh, golly, the last 30 years or so of her life in Carmel. Mm -hmm. She had a lovely house out there, and she and her son Terry owned a hotel up there that included animals. The local radio show, station rather, said to her, Miss Day, we're going to do a 24-hour salute to you on our radio show. Would you listen? And we're going to get celebrity friends to do things for you. And she agreed to it. 
And if I tell you they came to me, that tells you they went to every celebrity in Hollywood. Because <laughs> if they were coming to me, they were getting everybody. <laughs> and uh, what I got to do was rewrite the words to her song, It's Magic, oh. and personalize them to her. And I sang It's Magic for her. And they played it on the air and she heard it. And that just made me so happy to be a teeny, weeny, itsy, bitsy part of her huge life and her legacy to us. I, as you know, have written extensively about celebrities, and I have been very fortunate, and Ed knows this probably better than most people about my life, that one would think that I would be a huge star considering the wonderful stars and celebrities who have been my personal friends. And I am not a huge star. Maybe I'm a little itty-bitty star or a celebrity, but I've been blessed to know a lot of people and to work with them and to dine with them. And uh, they all have stories. They all have personal lives. And for the most part, if you'd walk down any street in America and knock on doors and give people truth serum, you'd find out that their family stories are no less dramatic than any celebrities. Mm -hmm. Their personal lives, while they may be interesting, are not, it's not why we love these people. We don't really love Doris Day or Tim Conway because of who they slept with or how they handled their finances or how they treated their children. We love them, we remember them, we're sorry they're gone because of the wonderful entertainment they gave us. And that's, that's how I try to remember these people publicly. Doris Day, for 20 years, and, and really and truly, except for her big band days, her, her career really lives in a 20-year time period. From her first film in 1948, her first full-length film, mm-hmm. she'd done some soundies. Do we need to tell people what's happening? <laughs> I think we know. I, I think it's a safe bet that our listeners know what soundies are. Okay, well, for those of you who don't, in one <laughs> sentence, they were short little musical films, kind of like early MTV, early music videos. Mm-hmm. Usually it was a big band and their singer. Yeah. So Doris did some of that while she was a big band singer. But her first real film was in 1948. And her last film was in 1968. Those 20 years is when she was a major, major movie star and a major, major recording star. And, of course, her television series and a couple of specials come after that, as does her wonderful, wonderful charity work for animals. But considering she only made films and recordings for 20 years, You'd think she had a 50- or 60-year career, the way we are remembering her. So good was what she did Mm -hmm. that we barely even noticed there isn't a whole lot of it. Jeffrey Mark is on the line with us, sharing a few thoughts and memories uh, about uh, his friend Doris Day. Doris Day passed away this past Monday, May 13th, at the age of 97. Going back to a point you made a little while ago, Jeff, about who Doris was as a person. As I understand, she was, I mean, she worked in the entertainment industry, but she was about as non-Hollywood as you can possibly be for someone who worked in Hollywood. And I think that speaks to why 
so many people who worked with her and so many of her contemporaries in music and film and television loved her because she was a genuine person in every sense of the word. Well, I, I think you said something good since you're saying about what I'm saying about what you're saying about what I'm saying. <laughs> I've had plenty of coffee today, let me tell you. Uh, you know, she brought Cincinnati with her. Mm-hmm. She never forgot who she was. Doris Day was a made-up name, and the blonde hair was bleached in, and the makeup covered the freckles, but she never allowed the public persona to hide who she felt she, Doris Kappelhoff, was. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why she was so approachable by so many people. You never felt that she was a queen. The parts she played were varied, and she was a wonderful actress mm-hmm. who was able to do slapstick comedy and heavy drama and musicals. But Doris did the person. She didn't try to obscure that with nonsense. She was who she was. She didn't apologize for it. Uh, she married who she married. Her religious beliefs were her religious beliefs, that she, for a period of time, did not smoke or drink and had a... Uh, a soda fountain in her house. Uh, there was no apology for that, nor was there an apology for her deciding at some point in life that she liked animals better than she liked people. <laughs> that may account for why she lived to be 97, you know. <laughs> and you know what, Ed? I'm not entirely sure I blame her. <laughs> but she became a tireless worker mm-hmm. on behalf of animals. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she started actors and others for animals, and the Doris the Animal Foundation, uh, both of which are still thriving. Joanne Worley is the head of the actors and others these days, mm-hmm. and uh, opened up a hotel that included animals in a luxurious way. She really felt animal souls were as important as humans. And again, no apologies. Doris never apologized for who she was. This is me. This is the best me I can bring you. And I think any of us on this planet, if we had that attitude, this is me, but I'm going to be the best me I can bring to you today, you shuffle that with talent and ambition, we'd all be successful at something. I admire Doris personally for that. Like I said a little bit earlier, who she slept with or that she had marital troubles, and I'm sorry for those troubles, uh, if you've read Doris's autobiography or read any of the articles written about her, unfortunately, some of her husbands physically abused her. Uh, all of them mentally abused her, and that's very sad. What I admire her for is not playing the victim. She picked herself up, dusted herself off, and said, okay, I'm fixing this mistake. And she did. When her son was in a terrible car accident, or actually it was a motorcycle accident, and almost died, she moved him into her house and she took care of him because she was fixing that too. The whole Charles Manson thing with Terry Melcher, her son, she lived through that mm-hmm. and handled it. Everywhere along the way, she handled what was in front of her with grace to the best of her ability. And if I was going to look to something in her personal life, that is what I would fixate on and go, wow, what a great example for me. I would not look at her mistakes because I've made them, Ed's made them. Everybody listening, 
okay, just between us, we all know we've made enormous mistakes in our personal lives. Mm-hmm. But I think a hallmark of a human being is how we fix them. Jeffrey Mark is on the line with us, sharing a few thoughts and memories of his friend Doris Day. Doris Day passed away this past Monday, May 13th at the age of 97. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Two things, Jeff. You mentioned that she never left Cincinnati. She always brought a little bit of Cincinnati with her. I understand that, not to dwell too much on her marriage, but just to dovetail on what you just said, I understand that in the case of her first marriage, she put her career aside. She went back to Cincinnati to become a wife because that's what she believed you did. And in the case of her marriage to Marty Melcher, that kind of ties in with the Doris Day show. I understand that she didn't intend to do the Doris Day show, but she found out that he had committed her to do the television show without her consent, so she did it. It was, you you, you couldn't make this stuff up because nobody would believe it. In going through his papers after he died, he being Marty Melcher, Mm -hmm. her husband, Mm -hmm. and manager for many, many years, she found out that there were scripts of this Doris Day show. It wasn't just an idea that he had green-lighted. He had signed paperwork, scripts were written, shows were already cast. She had like five weeks to pull herself together, and she had to be on the set acting in a television series about which she knew nothing. And once again, what did she do? She pulled herself together, she swam in her pool, Mm -hmm. she exercised, she vocalized, got on the set, and she hated the show. (laughs) And yet, watching it, you can never tell, because she was such a pro. And I suppose the fact that it went on for five years was both a blessing and a curse in that respect. Well, it went on for five years, because once she caught her breath, and this, this dovetails... See, folks, I had no idea what he was going to ask. <laughs> but, but seriously, but it goes back to what I was just saying. She got on the set. She, she filmed the first, you know, half dozen. I, I don't know if you folks know this. When they shoot television series, uh, they, they do six or seven at a time. They take a few weeks off. They mm-hmm. do another six or seven, take a few weeks off to give the stars a rest and to backlog scripts, etc. And after the first bunch of them... She said, you know, this is trite, and it's pap, and it's not worthy of being on after Lucille Ball every week. Let's make this better. And they began to work on the series, and after the first season, and the second season, and the third season, they changed the format ever so slightly to make the show better and better and better, so that by the time... The last season of the Doris Day show was on. She was playing a character she wanted mm-hmm. to play, a 40-something woman, independent, who has her own career, very much like the Mary Tyler Moore show, except there was no studio audience, and got what she wanted. She made the show better. And, and again, no apologies. From year to year, the format changed. There was no announcement from Doris Day. Oh, gosh, guys, I'm so snooped. This is what I'm doing. I'm making it better. Enjoy. And in a way, even though it was a sitcom, because each format was different from year to year to year, it was almost like an anthology series in that respect, Jeff. It was, because although the Doris Martin character, 
Martin, get it? Marty Melcher. <laughs> I guarantee you she did not pick out that name. Yeah. Remained more or less the same person. They just kept changing the characteristics around her to make it more contemporary, to make it a little bit more real. There was this thing in the 1960s that every sitcom that came on the air, whether it was a father or a mother, they were a widow or a widower. Like, and she said, how many people do we have to kill off to get a sitcom? It's mm-hmm. not necessary. Mm-hmm. So she eventually made her character a single woman, and it worked. And they all worked. There was never a bad Doris Day show. It just wasn't as good as she wanted it to be. And she worked to that end to make it good. And she had a lot of talented people in front of the camera and behind the camera, including McLean Stevenson before MASH, including John Daner, the great character actor, who is what people in the industry call a money-in-the-bank actor because you knew he was going to be good no matter what you asked him to do. And lest we forget, and okay, Doris may not have wanted to be called Doris Martin on the show, but if I remember correctly, she was very instrumental in bringing Rose Marie onto the show in the second or third year. She brought two of my friends onto the show that that are wonderfully talented. Rose Marie, who we also lost this this last year, Mm -hmm. uh, no, this year in January. Is there anything Rose Marie couldn't do? She could sing, she could dance, she was hysterically funny. She was a Broadway star, a nightclub star, a television star. Uh, a vaudeville star, a radio star, the longest career in show business, and Doris brought her in, and they fit together beautifully and remain friends the rest of their lives. Doris brought in Kay Ballard, who was a friend of mine, and they remain friends the rest of their lives. I forgot about that, yeah. And the other person, who I want to give some some shout-out to because she's so wonderful and still with us, Jackie Joseph, Mm -hmm. also was brought on. So she brings on these three powerhouse talented women to play with her and that's another hallmark of her being secure enough to do that she didn't feel threatened by other wonderful funny women she wanted them on there to make the show better and i understand that is a trait that she had in common with lucy because like doris day lucy was secure enough in who she was that uh, she was not threatened by the presence of another talented actress, not only on the set of her shows, but I mean, Ruta Lee told me that one of the reasons why she became friends with Lucy in real life was because Lucy was not threatened by her. It is a hallmark, and we'll bring in another celebrity name that doesn't really belong in the conversation, but is a big enough name to, to understand the same level. Like Ethel Merman on Broadway... Mm-hmm. Lucille Ball on television, if you were talented, if you brought your best game every day to rehearsals, if you performed full out, these two ladies would be your biggest fan, your biggest booster, and Miss Ball would have you back on the show over and over. If you, however, didn't feel like working hard or were holding back on your performance until the audience was there or were in any way unprofessional, both of these ladies have mopped the floor with you. So as long as you were doing your job, of course, why would Miss Ball, the biggest star on television ever to this day, get threatened by anyone? Nobody threatened her, but she didn't stand by 
for baloney. Mm-hmm. Came yeah. there to work. She expected you to work. It wasn't fun. It was work. Work that she adored doing, mm-hmm. as did Miss Day. Loved doing the work. So, yeah, it, it's, it's never – you may read books that say that Miss Ball was threatened by younger, prettier – nonsense. She just didn't stand for tomfoolery on the set. Yeah, she did not suffer fools lightly. No, sir. Jeffrey Mark does not suffer fools lightly, and he's kind enough to spend a few minutes of his day to share a few memories of his friend Doris Day. We'll take a quick time out, then we'll continue our conversation with Jeff when we come back on TV Confidential. What's that? Just a minute. Just a minute, Yakid. I want to. No, I want to do something. I want to say, hey, this is Jimmy Weldon, and you're listening to TV Confidential. So glad you're here. One more item. If you enjoy Jeffrey Mark, you want to know that Jeff has just launched two new podcasts, Hitting the Mark with Jeffrey Mark and Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella. Both Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella and Hitting the Mark with Jeffrey Mark are both available wherever podcasts are found. Listen up, guys. Are you experiencing any of the following? Fatigue, less drive, poor performance? If so, you may be one of the nearly 30 million men in the U.S. today dealing with ED. But did you know you don't have to pay hundreds for a prescription anymore? And you don't have to deal with the hassle of seeing the doctor or the embarrassment of going to the pharmacy for a certain pill. Now, with one free call, you can find out how Herbal Virility Max can help you feel like a man again. For over a decade, Herbal Virility Max has helped guys just like you put a smile back on their face with improved performance and drive. Call today and ask about our buy one, get one free offer. 800-750-9886-800-750-9886-800-750-9886. That's 800-750-9886. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.